This is episode 52 of Dead Letter Radio. As always, I'm your host, Taze, and this is the show with the slogan, Your Words, Your Podcast, because here we feature your writing, poetry, short stories, song lyrics, unsent letters, everything and anything you've written down. We give it a voice, an audience, a platform, but you are the star of each and every episode. If this is your first time tuning into the show and you'd like your own work featured on the episode, stay tuned until the end of the show and I'll go over how to do so. Well, welcome back everyone. I hope your week has been lovely and I hope that this week will just be fantastic to you if you're listening to this on Monday when it comes out. Weather is getting a bit warmer now. We're almost breaching 60 degree weather in my area. And now it's making me really longing to ride my motorcycle again. Uh, I got some damage, so I had to send it in for some repairs. Uh, Nothing serious, but hoping that uh, I get it back soon. Really missing it. (laughs) I also want to do a quick update and just say thank you for everyone's patience. Um, I know I haven't been super active on socials or even on getting back to people who sent in submissions. Don't worry, I am reading all the messages and going over the submissions. This life's just been a bit busy uh, with family and work and everything like that. I do plan to get back in the full swing of things, but I am still considering your submissions, still reading over them. I've just been a little bit slow on uh, sending out those replies, so thank you for bearing with me. Now on to my little preamble discussion. As always, before we get into the meat of the episode... Uh, I asked on Twitter, uh, what are people's favorite uh, either tones or tropes, uh, the guilty pleasure tropes on, you know, any media they consume, whether it's writing or movies or what have you, Uh, because this is something I always find very interesting, uh, because I know my, (laughs) the tropes I really do love, so a few answers we got, we got from Ian Togi, uh, answer of fake dating and marriage scenarios from Linwood Thomas personification and from G Snickers forbidden romance and now I feel like mine is a little more basic or a little bit basic in comparison um, but I am a huge sucker for things like the hero sacrificing themselves and from an extension of that even though it leans more into a tone uh, I've been always a big fan of uh, super bleak endings uh, where, you know, the good guys don't necessarily win at the end. Uh, the ones, the movies and the books where once it's done, you're left staring and for the next week or so, maybe you have a gloom over your head about it. Or even just their realistic shock of a character who might have been important to the series suddenly dies because that is just the reality of life that things happen quickly. I don't know why I like the me- media to make me sad in that way. <laughs> But I do uh, really enjoy it. It just feels so weedy and impactful. And maybe to some, that just is an easy way to make something have that much gravity to it. But as I said, I really do enjoy it. It's always great to, at least in my opinion, to get an idea of what people draw are drawn to in terms of writing and movies and TV shows. Like one of my best friends, he's a lot more into either an action show or comedy, uh, but really doesn't care for anything depressing. As I said, I'm super into heavy, depressing stuff. I mean, I like action and comedy. I only really um, 
watch usually if I'm doing watching it with someone. Uh, but everyone has their own varieties and what they really enjoy. And I think obviously there's the more mainstream uh, genres and tones that everyone seems to like with the big movie blockbusters. But it's cool to see what our each our individual tastes are. And if you're a writer or a creator of some sort, how that may affect uh, your creative process and how you go about setting the uh, tones and the narratives for your pieces. So definitely let me know what cliche or trope you really enjoy, what tone of movies and shows is your favorite, maybe even your guilty pleasure. I'd love to hear. So I think that's enough from me. Why don't we jump into this amazing episode of Dead Letter Radio. Starting off first, we have a piece by Savannah Slayton, and it is titled Secret Songs. Coarse connections in the noisy night are made alive within the glory of the bright and boiling moment. Trying, needing, wanting, laughing, loving, moving, growing, a crescendo, falling, seeking. Finding. Following the fractured flow over wood and metal mouths that screech and spike the night with the sacred sounds of friendships forming, fading finally into a quiet homecoming as a lone and lovely mockingbird sings for you the secret song of the still small hours of the night. Thank you, Savannah, for sharing this piece with us today. Regarding their piece, they said, I like to go to busy spots and kind of gather a word bank from the general vibe at random, uh, the random conversations around me. So that's what this poem was born of, Busy Night at a Busy Bar. And I think you captured that uh, wonderfully. Honestly, on my first read of this piece, it made me think of, and it sounded one-to-one what you were saying, but for whatever reason, memories of growing up in my old neighborhood came surfacing, and uh, hearing the cars go by, and we lived next to a college house, and hearing the people's voices was a comfort uh, for me to fall asleep. Now I prefer more quiet, <laughs> so I can actually go to sleep. But it's funny uh, that that came to mind. And as always, it's super uh, intriguing to see how we each interpret the poetry and the art we perceive in our own way. And so reading yours, even from the first line of the coarse connections and the noisy night are being made alive, uh, made me think of how words and uh, voices and emotions a lot of times can carry uh, with so much more energy when it's night. It's almost like we're being deprived a little bit of the light that our sense of sight is, or at night we're a little on, more on edge and more keen picking up what we're, what's around us. And so I read this almost as a, just someone listening in and hearing now these connections becoming alive to me. I'm now noticing and taking in these things. All the needing and wanting, laughing and loving. And then following the fractured flow over wood and metal mouths, I imagine as the opening of different buildings and bars where all the noise and the gusto emanates from these moments that we as listeners will never fully know but we get the gist and the little maybe the beginnings or the middles and ends of relationships 
So I thought that this was a great uh, piece, especially ending it with what I imagine walking home. And it's not morning yet, but the birds are starting to sing. So thank you. Next up, we have a piece by F.S. Peak, and it is titled Dark Matter. Some days are short, some days are longer, the night is infinite. We exist between the stars, waiting for you to join us, waiting for the last night to fall. It's a dark matter, but the dark matters. It's the reason there's a sunrise. It's exciting. There's so many possibilities. And it's beautiful. It's the reason there's a sunset. The sun lowers. The moon already visible. It's distracting. And it's beautiful. It's the reason the day is warm. The sun feeds us. The sun burns us. And it is beautiful. We exist between the galaxies. The gravity of our absence, holding reality together in ways you can't comprehend. It's a dark matter, but the dark matters. Remember the space between, but don't be fearful. The days are warm and the night is cold, but we aren't lonely. And it's beautiful. So thank you, FS, for sharing this piece with us today. Regarding the work, they said, It's something I wrote after two classmates died last year within a week of each other, both only 28. When I think about dark matter, how we can't perceive it but it must be there, or there wouldn't be enough gravity to hold all the galaxies together, it made me think of all the people I had lost, and how I'm not able to see them, but I still feel them. They still shape me. And love... It would not feel as good if lost in a hurt so, so badly. First of all, I want to say sorry for your loss. No matter how close we are to someone, it always leaves its mark uh, in its own unique way for each of us. I thought what you're trying and what you did convey in this poem is beautiful. The idea and aspects of the universe that we can't see or maybe even fully comprehend and yet we feel the effects of it still we see the evidence and just like people who come and go in our lives especially by means of death while they may be gone we can still feel the effects of them uh, the love the impact the memories the emotions even though they are absent, how they shaped us doesn't go away. And their absence itself shapes us as well. The end of their existence, at least you know, depending on what you believe, it still keeps having an effect on us. And when it comes to a topic like this, I think it'll be... A simpler feat to, or not simple, but a natural instinct to write a depressing poem. But how I read your poem and interpreted it is that it's a beautiful poem. Maybe a little bit sobering, but uh, lovely. Describing the various aspects of 
night and day and the stars and the dark matter and how we don't need to be afraid. That there's reasons for sunsets and sunrises. That days are warm and nights are cold. That we exist in between galaxies. And all of it is beautiful, even if we don't fully comprehend everything. One of the lines that really stands out is that the dark matters. Life and death and all aspects of our weighty relationships and how we impact each other can be a lot to think about, and especially about the aspect of death. We don't want to always dwell on it. Um, but it matters. The good moments and potentially the bad moments matter. Our connections to people, whether here or gone, matters. Because it's all connected in one way or the other through our emotions and our memories and experiences and how we perceive the world. Uh, so thank you for sharing this poem. Next, we have a short story by Alan J. Wanfried, and forgive me if I mispronounce your last name, um, with a name like Taze, I'm quite used to it, <laughs> uh, but the title is called, What Did You Say? I better do the paperwork to close out last night's disaster, Bill thought, settling into his desk. Disaster may be an exaggeration. If I don't do the paperwork... It will become a disaster. Bill was an entry-level programmer at William Henry Harrison Financial Services. He joined the company out of college. He was hired as a class of several programmers. They were a bunch of guys with new jobs and new wives. They learned techniques, policies, and expectations. Part of the expectations was to be the on-call person. Harrison's systems tended to hiccup in the middle of the night. When a system hiccuped, the on-call person was notified to figure things out. Bill's class joined the on-call rotation a couple weeks earlier. As Bill's last name was Schneider, he was the last of his class on the list. He was this week's on-call person. Last night, a system hiccuped. Bill was notified. He crawled out of bed and called the computer operator. Resolving the problem took less than 15 minutes. He went back to bed. Bill had to file a form this morning explaining what happened. The form would take longer than fixing the problem. As Bill started to fill in the necessary form, the rest of his class clustered around his desk. How did it go last night? John, the most forward of the class, asked. Not bad, Bill replied. I just had the operator. John cut him off. Not that. How did it go? Bill was puzzled. That's what I was trying to tell you. I had to tell the operator. Not the technical stuff. What happened with your wife? How did she react? John asked with a smirk in his voice. Oh, that. She rolled over and went back to sleep. Then I told the operator. A passionate, wailing tone filled John's voice as he interrupted again. She went back to sleep? What did you say? What did you do? When I got called, my wife was totally upset. 
She wanted me to promise they would never call again. I couldn't make her understand. She may still be upset with me. What is your secret? John implored. The rest of his class nodded like bobbleheads. I don't have a secret. My wife's dad is a programmer. The phone has been ringing in the middle of the night of most of her life. She knows to ignore it. I didn't do anything, Bill replied triumphantly. Bill allowed himself a smile as his classmates left mumbling to themselves. He knew he found the perfect girl when he married Chris. Apparently, she was more perfect than he realized. Thank you, Alan, for sharing this story with us today. Regarding this, Alan went on to say that this was a true story and the names have been changed. Uh, So one, if you're ever interested in writing but don't know where to start, you can always start with your own experiences. But I thought this was a great uh, story and experience. Uh, One, it actually brought me back to, for a while, I worked for uh, an ambulance service and on the 24-hour shift, you, the phone would ring and you knew you had a call. And let me tell you, <laughs> when you expect the phone to ring, especially when it's a, a high-pitched tone, uh, you don't necessarily necessarily always sleep uh, that soundly. So I can have sympathy for the wives of Bill's other colleagues uh, being upset at the phone calls. And more credit to Bill's wife, Chris. Uh, for being so understanding since she grew up with uh, these types of phone calls in her household. But yes, I thought this was just a lovely experience. You know, at first when I was reading it, I wasn't sure where I was going to go. I didn't know if you were going to pull one on me. This was going to turn into a horror story. <laughs> because there, it felt like there was almost, when I read it, uh, a built-up of tension and a little bit of dread about this call in the middle of the night. And I was waiting for something crazy to happen, especially when... Uh, his colleagues started questioning him, and I was like, oh no, it's a disaster. But it turned out to just be a really sweet story. You know, we don't always realize how good we have it until it's brought to our attention in terms of how amazing our spouse is, or our friends are, or just the people we're surrounded with. Uh, And it's a nice reminder at times. So if after this story... Uh, you realize that the people in your life are pretty great, and maybe more so than you even realized beforehand, uh, let them know. Send them a text, phone call, letter, recommend this podcast, I don't know. (laughs) But thank you, really. This was a a very sweet story, Alan. Our next piece is by Francis Klein, and it is titled Targeted. They are interspersed among the staged, candid shots, the artfully lit sushi plates, clothing ads where bow-bellied women place protective hands on the bump, hospital video spots where a squalling newborn is laid on his stunned father's chest, all your views and purchases and split-second pauses while scrolling have red-ringed a target around your open wound. Negative tests clutter up the bin, and suddenly the internet is a minefield. You tread carefully through vacation photos to the left, girls' nights to the right, but one wrong step triggers a diaper ad, a dimpled little guy, all brown eyes and curls, 
and the aftermath of the detonation is less like having the wind knocked out of you, more like scanning the tree line to see where your lungs landed. People tell you, patly, to get off social media, so you do, but the rest of the internet is still out there, and these days you can't opt out of online, so maybe the day is going fine, students are working and chatting and singing along with totally 90s Pandora, but there's a sniper on the roof. The ad break is coos and gurgles and protect the skin you love most with eucerin and you can't breathe and you can't leave and you can't remember what the kid just asked you so they repeat it then repeat it again and the rest of the day is hazy while you keep pressure on the bleeding. Bit by bit you build your camouflage Change your gender on every account you can think of. Decline all cookies. Browse incognito. Leave your phone in the car when you have to buy anything that might read as feminine. The list is a mystery. Tampons, of course, or makeup, but paper towels, tangerines, AAA batteries. You open Playboy and ESPN on three different devices and scroll while you watch TV constructing an impenetrable carapace. Now, when the shots are fired, they go wide. Watches and wranglers, dick pills and protein powder. Eventually, the internet is an escape, once again from the crack shots and stray grenades of the real world. And are you happy? Of course not. And are you safe? Of course not. No one promised any of those things to anyone in life. All you can do is harden the target. Thank you, Francis, for sharing this piece with us today. This poem for me opened up another aspect that I never quite thought of, uh, because living in this day and age, if you are connected to the internet, uh, if you have a cell phone, then you surely have experience a lot of what this poem had talked to, at least I talked about, at least on the surface, the targeted ads we all get. I remember one time I was curious of what it would be like to go to scuba diving school, and next thing I know, Instagram is full of scuba diving ads. Um, I looked up uh, some terrarium stuff, and now I have terrarium ads everywhere, even on other websites. And when you really think about it, if you haven't, it's scary. Are, or they're making a list and they're aiming it at us based on the things we look for when we search for things, how long we're looking at things. And a file is built uh, based on who they perceive us to be, uh, gender, interests, what have you. I even remember one of my favorite phones I had had a feature where it could listen to whatever music was playing in the background and tell you what the title was without you accessing any app, but just play it on the screen. Very cool on the surface, but <laughs> it kind of makes you realize that the phone was always listening. Uh, so with all that being said, I never thought of it in terms of how it could really impact someone emotionally outside of, you know, not liking that your information is uh, being broadcast like that. And so this poem speaking to someone or speaking of someone who is struggling, I can only assume, to have a child 
uh, struggling uh, to uh, become pregnant and now they're trying their hardest to avoid those targeted ads uh, about babies and pregnancy and birth and and all the aspects of that and so they go through this game this digital war uh, between advertisements and themselves by making a camouflage to hide, to, by building up defenses, by distracting and giving out uh, false information, by aiming, uh, opening up uh, Playboy or ESPN, uh, because a lot of advertisements are assuming that's going to be a male demographic. Hi, leaving your phone so it can't listen when you're buying uh, feminine products and other things that, for whatever reason, advertisers might say that belongs to a more female demographic. And then finally, when you think things are well and things are safe, an ad pops up, uh, and you hear the sounds of the baby and of a baby, and it drains you. It impacts you, feels like a gunshot or a mine going off, and as you put it, the day, rest of the day is hazy. While this poem, one, is very well made, as I said, it gives attention, especially for me, that how impactful uh, these ads can be, especially on things that can be very sensitive to people. As you put it, it can be that a target on an open wound, and it can reopen that wound or cause it to bleed and fester even more. And as you end it, that you're not safe from this. Uh, none of that was never promised in life, but all you can do is harden the target. All you can do is make it harder for them to hit you and do damage. So it's a lot to think about. Uh, but thank you so much for sharing this piece with us today. And that is the episode. So thank you to everyone who uh, submitted writing and allowed me to share it on the podcast. It's always a great honor um, because I'm just some guy who uh, said, Hey, can I read your poetry <laughs> and your writing? on a podcast that you haven't heard of <laughs> and people then started setting some stuff in and as i said it just is uh, an amazing time to be able to read such lovely and unique pieces from all over the world if you enjoyed this episode you can look in the description and you can see who wrote what based on how they would like to be known also you can if willing, leave a review or a rating on whichever podcast app you use to listen to this show. Uh, Spotify does a star rating system. Apple does rating, and I think you can actually type out a review. So if you're able to do that, that's fantastic. It allows me to know how the show is doing, and it allows the podcast to reach more ears and maybe inspire more writers. Uh, so thank you so much for doing that. There is a Patreon as well set up for the show, which you can find on the link on my Twitter and potentially in the link of the description of this episode. And there's no real benefits yet. It's just there if you want to show a bit of extra support for the show. Uh, as always, I appreciate it. So, this was your first time listening in, and you want to know how you can get your words featured on this show. It's quite easy. 
Uh, if you go to my Twitter at Dead Letter Cast C A S T, there's a link uh, in my bio that goes over the rules of the whole uh, uh, submission process. Also, there is my e- email. So the preferred method is to send me an email. My email, if you want to write it down, is Dead Letter Radio Podcast at gmail.com. And how you send in the piece, it's super simple. Give me the title, if that is applicable. Your piece in a PDF or Word document or Google Docs. Maybe some background info you possibly would like shared. Uh, in that way, people can have insight on why you wrote it or your writing style. And then, how you'd like to be credited. And you can be anonymous as well. So, you can send me an email. If you have any questions or need the rules, you can go to my Twitter. And that's Dead Letter Cast on Twitter, C-A-S-T, and the link in my bio will have the listing of rules. That's about it. As always, I try to go through that quickly. I want to try to find a way to streamline uh, going over the details, but hey, it's there. (laughs) Well, I am hoping you're feeling a bit more relaxed after this episode, maybe even inspired to write, or they gave you something to reflect on. Uh, this episode had a range of different topics and emotions behind each and every piece, but it just goes to show you that we all have unique experiences and outlooks and viewpoints that makes uh, the world like a beautiful kaleidoscope, and that no one can write and tell a story and an experience quite like you can. So thank you once again for sharing. This is Taze with Dead Letter Radio. And I'm wishing you all safe travels.